My name is Anthony James, and I love the German Netflix show Dark. I love it so much that I started a YouTube channel to talk about it. From the start, I've been told that the Dark Train won't last forever, and if I want to continue to grow on YouTube, I need to move on. Well, you know what? I don't want to move on. This show is worth more. It's worth more theories, more analysis, deconstruction, and discussion. So if you're not ready to move on either, then you're in the right place, right here on Dark Discussions. Hello, and welcome to Dark Discussions. I'm your host, Origin Anthony James. Thanks for joining me. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking all about the costumes of Dark. There's a lot of them, so we better get to it. Here joining me today, based on the poll, you've all voted for it, it's Ema. Ema, say hello. Hello. There she is. Now, Ema is actually a professional costume worker. She's worked on such things as Game of Thrones and Redacted. Yeah, we can't talk about it. We can't talk about something <laughs> some other things that she's talked about. I've signed non-disclosure agreements. Yeah, she also worked on another redacted thing that was cancelled. Uh, Interpret that as you will. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so uh, Ema, what do you want to give a little rundown of what you actually do in the industry? Uh, yeah, uh, okay. I suppose I'd better start at uh, the beginning. <laughs> and I have a degree called Performance Design and Practice. And it is basically, uh, I'm a designer by training. Uh, and, you know, I ended up specializing in going into costume specifically. Uh, and from there, I ended up down a costume rabbit hole working in a department called Costume Breakdown. And this is what I like to think of the art of as ugh, this is what I like to think of as the art of the unnoticed, which is basically once a costume gets made, uh, it gets sent to our department and we add the life into it, like the muck and the blood and the tears and the rips and anything that will make it look like a costume as opposed to just an item of clothing off the rack in a shop. So that's the sort of thing I do at the minute. Anyway, that's that's where I find myself. And uh, it's... Yeah. And I, are you allowed to say certain things that you worked on in Game of Thrones that people could 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 notice in the, uh, uh, in the show? Actually, I'm sure you are. I don't see why not. Yeah. I mean, it's public information that I worked on Game of Thrones. So, um, yeah. So, for example, that would be if we take the whites, for example... Um, you know, specifically the crypt whites um, mm -hmm. during that really tense scene in season eight. Uh, I actually was part of the team who was doing things like, you know, hacking at old armor with uh, bits of metal and <laughs> things like that, taking cheese graters to hems of cloaks, make it look all worn, mm -hmm. hand painting mold into uh, into garments and things like that to, you know, zombify it. Zombify so that's, it, yeah. that's the sort of thing I do. But absolutely everything gets put through our department before it goes on camera. So you even do things that are not uh, as obvious, like for example, painting tone into flat surfaces so it looks like there's shadow, mm -hmm. um, things like that. So it's, it's not always necessarily dirt, um, but it's just something that adds a little bit more life and a little bit more color. Because I find that if, if, you, if I do my job well, you can't tell I've done it. If I have done it poorly, you can tell it hasn't been done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's something that like not many people know about this department. And we've talked about before going into more detail of uh, Emer's job in the future in a video, maybe even sort of a Game of Thrones uh, special or whatever, where we could talk about sort of more detailed ideas mm -hmm. of what you actually did with the costumes, which would be pretty cool. Obviously, Emer isn't here to take credits for all of the Game of Thrones oh, costumes. No. I was only a trainee, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, but but she did, uh, but she did, uh, you know, contribute to it in her own way. Um, being a trainee, as you yes, say. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to talk about the dark. But before we do, I just want to let you know that 
Emer and I are actually uh, going to be covering his dark materials on the channel. Now, for you guys over in America, his dark materials doesn't doesn't come out on HBO till next week. I think it's the 16th or the 15th it comes out. Whereas in the UK, it's already started. So we are actually going to be covering uh, his dark materials episode by episode. Hope we're hoping, fingers crossed, for the first one to be out tomorrow. We did record it yesterday, but it was. Uh, reeked with uh, a load of baby noises and like toddlers waking up crying yeah. and then when we finally got it recorded i'd messed up the uh audio and it was sounded like i was the devil so yeah it was not to be <laughs> it was not to be so we're gonna try and record it again tomorrow and uh we'll see if we're getting better at it so yeah. we'll see if we can get it out tomorrow so his dark materials if you're a fan of the fantasy fan is a fan of that show follow us uh we're gonna be covering that and Eva's read the book so she loves it yeah Right, so we're five minutes in already, and we haven't even started talking about Dark yet. So let's talk about Dark. Um, so you wanted to start off, Emma, talking about the idea of clothes versus costume. Yes, that's right, because uh, I have a... Let me start off with an anecdote, uh, because... Yes. Here we go. <laughs> it's relevant, I swear. <laughs> but basically, uh, whenever I was younger, I was watching the film Leon the Professional with my dad. And mm. I really, really liked... Uh, all the costumes in that film I thought it was really cool and you know really interesting and I actually said that I thought we were sitting watching it and I went gosh the costumes of this are great and my dad turned to me and went why they're just they're just clothes yeah and then he's proceeded to spend the entire rest of the film laughing about how Leon's socks were showing <laughs> and I was a bit like that's his costume. Th that's a costume, Dad. <laughs> so basically, uh, what I'm what I'm getting at here is that uh, although Dark is absolutely riddled with delicious costumes from lots of different eras, uh, including the future, um, which obviously we it's not an era yet. No, it's not an era yet, but it's a it's a you know fantastical interpretation. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. So. Uh, obviously, Dark is riddled with lots of really interesting, lovely, visually pleasing things uh, that are from different eras to the current day. Mm -hmm. um, I would still like to talk about uh, somewhat about contemporary clothing as costume. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, so what's your first example of this contemporary clothing as costume? Well, uh, to get started, I mean, let's take the very. I'm like a proper host on this. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm just. I'm, I'm actually. I usually. I'm say I'm the host, but it's usually just me talking at the camera. Whereas now, as I, I'm actually am a host. Anyway, you are. You are yeah. always the host. Um. So, for example, let's take. Uh, you know, the first time we see Ulrich and Hannah. Mm -hmm. So they. You know, the series opens with a bang, literally. Hey <laughs> so, <laughs> so first thing we see is them, and they're both in their birthday suits. Which obviously is uh, symbolic of the fact that it's their birthdays, which is why they're so happy to see each other. No, I'm only joking. Oh, no. Oh, we should say that we have a baby on the floor behind us. Yeah, uh, yeah. There he is. <laughs> anyway, he's having fun. He's, he's on a little kick mat looking at little ducks and stuff. Yeah. Right, okay, anyway. Um, so if we have to pause the video and then continue recording later, that's because of that little fellow Him, over there. Himself, yes. Himself. <laughs> uh, no, obviously, I'm only joking about that. Uh, comment about Ulrich and Hannah. But uh, I will give you an example that it is about Ulrich. And I find, obviously, the first time we see Ulrich, you know, he's climbing down out the window after having done the dirty with Hannah. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's in his uh, sweaty workout clothes. And then there's the reveal that he comes home to his family. And mm -hmm. I've, like, not even analysing this as a costume sort of designer and maker, just as an audience member the first time i watched that i went oh what a scumbag mm. because he it just really solidified how much of a slime ball he was mm. like he wasn't coming in in a suit and tie yeah you know he's just gone 
from essentially having an uh, a fur home in his sweaty, gross, grey joggers to his wife and children. And I think, you know... Didn't even wash his hands before picking up the bread. <laughs> exactly. Conrad and I have talked about that before. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's the sort of thing that, you know, that's an example of a real punch that, uh, you know, is it's, it's subtle. But uh, but it's there, and it's obviously a decision made for that reason. Mm-hmm. And obviously, of course, the you know didn't even get mentioning yet things like a uh, Mikkel's skeleton outfit. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's obviously kind of some some foreshadowing, and it was just pretty cool. Yeah, like, like uh, I think I actually I actually did do some research. Well, I watched an interview with the creators, and they mentioned that that skeleton outfit, although a very subtle clue, was yeah. the idea that you saw Michael hang himself. And then whenever um, you next see something that's associated with death, yeah. it's Mickle in that skeleton outfit. Yeah. So it's real subtle. Yeah. Like, you know, Mickle is Michael, but it still sort of worked. Uh, it's still it's still of his character, though, importantly. I mean, Mickle is very much a, a kid who, I guess, I mean, I've heard you and Conrad talk about him a lot, saying, like, he solved a Rubik's Cube and things like that. He's clearly clearly a bit of a nerdy little, little kid. He doesn't, he, he marches to the beat of his own drum. He does. You know, and uh, he doesn't really, like, you know, he doesn't really care. He, he was wearing a skeleton outfit because, you know, it's cool. He likes it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really a normal thing for a child to wear to school. He's not cool, Emma. He's Mickle. Yes. <laughs> very good. Very good. Um, but yeah, so that's basically an example of contemporary costume, I would say. Um, well, clothes as the language of clothes i'll say um but we could literally talk about this we could go down a rabbit hole with this and we could do every single character and we could we could really go to town like uh, you know we could have an entire series just about yeah who knows maybe in three or four years time but however the anthony james youtube channel goes we may have talked about this 800 times we might have uh, but so I thought for that reason, uh, we should focus on one character, mm-hmm. um, you know, because like I said, we could talk about this forever. So we better better set up some parameters to work with here. So I thought um, a good example we could start with is Charlotte, because Charlotte's uh, costumes, I thought, were particularly well done. Mm. I should mention as well, full credit to Annette Guther, who's the costume designer. Um, I haven't even I sort of feel like when we're analyzing costumes, I should at least mention the designer's name. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so, yes, uh, I think she did a fantastic job. Um, so Charlotte, for example, she's really, we know that she's a really pragmatic character. She's not, uh, she's not overly proud. She's a, a no fuss type person. She's got a job to do. She gets the job done and she doesn't really have time for any like flounce, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, an example being that, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> an example being that, uh, I mean like her compared to Peter, I think it's fair to say Pe- Peter is the one who wears his heart on his sleeve. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's he's probably the more sentimental one of the, the pairing. And any time he tries to open up to her, like it happens particularly on the phone, he'll phone her and he'll try to speak to her and she'll go, gotta go, bye. <laughs> you know, she's, she's a, she might be, she doesn't have time for it. Yeah, yeah. So she's such a such a pragmatic person. So this is reflected in her clothing, I find that. But also she's buried herself in her work. Because, yeah. This character analysis, not costume analysis, but still. But she's, buried herself, she's buried herself in her work because of what's happening in her home life. Well, I, to be honest with you, I would say I would argue that they're one and the same. I mean, I as a process, uh, whenever I'm designing costumes, I am analyzing a character almost as if I'm the actor. What mm-hmm. am I going? What life am I going to breathe into this? What What am I interpreting from this script that the audience doesn't necessarily see right away? What's in between the lines? And rather than channeling that energy into a performance, I'm channeling it into a design for their aesthetic. Yeah. Of course. Um. So it's actually very similar, I think. Mm-hmm. Um. To the point where I think every designer should do some am drum or something. <laughs> you know, it's really transferable skills. And I have mentioned before that when I first started going out with you when we were seventeen, 
You were in Les Miserables. I was. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned that on the podcast. It's really, it's really fun. Have you? I haven't come across that bit yet. Yeah, well, you're behind. Yeah, I'm behind. Having babies does that. Like, it does, know. yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so back to Charlotte. I think uh, reflected in her clothing. Uh, I mean, she wears a lot of... All right, mister, calm down. She, <laughs> she wears a lot of earthy tones, yeah. you know. So she's not a very attention-seeking person. She blends into her surroundings, kind of literally. You know, you always see her in like browns and, you know, well, various shade of browns and beige and, mm-hmm. you know, again, earthy, earthy tones. She's not, she doesn't tend to wear makeup. Um, you know, she's dressed completely practically. She's got she the doesn't. no makeup look. <laughs> no, she doesn't even, she just doesn't wear makeup. Oh, doesn't she? She must wear some. She's in a, she's in a TV show. Well, I mean, like, you know. Within yeah, the character doesn't the wear character it, but the actor yeah, is yeah. wearing it. The yeah. character doesn't wear makeup. Um, so I think that's that's an example of, you know, we can tell that from just looking at her, that she has no time for fuss or flounce. She wears flat shoes. She's got a job to do. She's got, uh, you know, warm coats on, mm-hmm. you know, to, for going out and snooping about in the woods and things like that, whatever it is a detective does. Uh, you know, breaking into camera boxes and getting told off by her daughter for doing it. That, yeah. sort, of, that sort of thing. <laughs> you, have to, you have to make references like that so that they know, definitely know you've seen the show. Oh, I, I definitely have seen the show. On that note, I'm just going to give a shout out to Ellie's hat. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, I think that's a really great costume piece because it's, you know, it tells a lot about her character too. I mean, she's, uh, it, put it this way, it's, it's not, a, it's a fox hat. It's not a sheep hat. I yeah, yeah. It tells yeah. you something about her. Exactly. And it also, it also, um, it also comes back in uh, episode eight of season two whenever she's going through her possessions in the future. Yeah. And it's like all, you know, old and sort of broken apart. And ah, all. you would say it's been through the breakdown department. It's been through the breakdown department. <laughs> there we go. But, uh, but, you know, that's the costume piece. It's almost like that. That is her soul. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's her, it's her demon. Yeah. For those of you who are going to be his watching dark his materials. dark materials. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so that's a good example as well. I mean, there's a lot of subliminal messaging can be done through clothing, basically. Yeah, definitely. But I think a really good uh, way of looking at it as well. I think I might have to pick up that baby. Yeah. Pick, <laughs> yeah, pick him up. Uh, was talking about yeah charlotte um another example of this uh is when we look at charlotte in different situations um how she responds to situations uh for example going to uh the party that ulrich and katarina were having to celebrate their mm-hmm. anniversary their wedding anniversary i think that scene is a really good scene because well for costume it's very telling uh you know how each person each character responds to being in a formal situation or perhaps not formal, but a party situation mm-hmm. where you, you have an excuse to get dressed up. And Charlotte does get dressed up, but it's so subtle that I kind of think I'm probably someone who's into clothes like me is the only one who would notice it. I'm like, that is a silk shirt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's again, uh, how she dresses up is she is still, you know, doesn't wear much makeup, if at all, doesn't really do anything with her hair still wearing the colors that she's comfortable in the mm-hmm. earthy tones that are just sort of blending in uh but she's wearing a really nice fancy version of it and that's how that's how she responds to to a party uh, and i think it's particularly interesting the contrast with hannah because both charlotte and hannah are in the same situation in that they've both had to go to a party without their partners and make excuses as to why their partners aren't there of course michael is uh mentally unwell yeah. and uh peter is questioning his sexuality and cheating yeah gallivanting we'll say well well charlotte doesn't know that he was cheating that night even though he was yeah uh she just said she said oh you know it's better if you don't come because of his his cheating yeah i mean i think it's uh fair to say that both both these characters 
were let down by their partners. Oh, of by not being there, by having them go alone. Yeah, and like you know, I, I know, like, but you could say Michael let her let Hannah down less. Oh yeah. But at the same same time, well, at the same time, it doesn't mean she doesn't feel he, let yeah, down. It's not yeah. it's not so much his fault, but you, she could still feel let yeah, down. Yeah, she still felt let down yeah, yeah. because like you know, you know, you have to make an effort, and obviously, you know. Depends. It depends. Like if how many we got the impression that it was all the time he was doing this. Yeah. You know, and we don't know in terms of their relationship whether the the mental health problems that he was suffering. Obviously, we know his past, so yeah. We, you know, we can't we can't hold anything against him, and he does. It is an actual issue. Oh but no, it's still, a completely understandable situation. But you know, he should he should at least be proactive, so you can understand you can understand why Hannah would be let down by it. I and mean, even if she was fully sympathetic to it. Being, you still feel that. Thing. I was going to yeah. say, being the partner, get, it wears you down. Yeah, Be, yeah. Being the partner of someone who's sick is is draining, and some days that it's just you you find it very hard. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but how the two characters respond to a similar situation? Mm-hmm. Charlotte basically just dresses as she normally does, but slightly fancier. Whereas Hannah's gone all out. Hannah's wearing red lipstick. Mm-hmm. She's got she's dolled up. She's wearing the red dress. Mm-hmm. It's very tight fitting, and it's interesting because, uh, it again it tells me. Charlotte has no time for that, mm-hmm. so she just throws on a nice shirt. Hannah obviously is Hannah's out it. on the pool. Yeah, <laughs> but or also just potentially trying to feel better about herself. Yeah, you know she's she's trying to maybe uh you know put, give herself a self esteem boost. Yeah, yeah exactly. Could be, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's trying to like she 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 probably didn't know how the night was going to end up when she went there. Like she wasn't there to attract Ulrich's eye, or maybe she was. Yeah, you we know, know. We, we know the character. Yeah, you know. I was say, she's a bit of a nutcase. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah I thought that was a really interesting you know example and I think as well it's absolutely worth talking about alternate Charlotte because yeah, okay. alternate Charlotte mm-hmm. is vastly vastly different than the Charlotte that we know uh, you know that we followed from the start um, because I, whenever I first saw her I thought oh that is jarring <laughs> she yeah. didn't you know it, she, she always doesn't suit the look she, yeah but mm. because we know who she is in the version of her that we followed. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, when we see her, she's wearing skinny jeans, she's got high heels, she's got a face full of makeup, uh, mm-hmm. and all of that combined is so... It's a, it's, a, um, it's a shock, and it tells you immediately that this is not our Charlotte. Yeah. Everything, the whole, her whole life that she's lived up to that moment has led her to become this different Charlotte. Yeah. And uh, that's this is the outcome. And it's notable as well that she's not uh she's not the chief of police in that world. You know, she's she's you know, mm-hmm. she's yeah, she's, she's it's demoted. All, <laughs> yeah, it's all it almost uh like sort of puts across the idea that uh she because she was more sort of prone to thinking about how she's looking and things it actually meant that she was a less pragmatic person overall so she was less she wasn't able to climb to the top of the police department maybe possibly yeah uh, i mean there's a load of different ways you can interpret it mm-hmm. <clears throat> you could also say that uh you know again it could be self-esteem issues yeah you know i'm not saying obviously that everyone who dresses up has self-esteem issues clearly they don't but uh you know her everything in her life that led her to this moment uh, has you know influenced how she dresses herself, mm-hmm. and uh, you know she is there to try and well we know that she's having an affair with Ulrich in this world, yeah, and uh, she is really you know it's possible that she's just trying to impress him because herself you know because you know she has she's a less confident Charlotte she's less self assured and she cares more about what other people think of her that's entirely possible, um, or it could just be that she grew up playing with Barbies yeah. <laughs> you know it, it's it's up to really it's it's up to the viewer yeah, to interpret up, it exactly yeah. like, I, I should point out whatever I say here oh excuse you whatever I say here although it's 
Alright. Let me take the boy. <laughs> I, sh- I should point out that although although this is my sort of area of study, that, you know, uh, I've sort of been educated within design, it my interpretation is no more or less valid than yours as the audience member. If you see other things in this that I might have missed, or if you've interpreted this differently than I would have, that doesn't mean you're wrong and doesn't mean I'm wrong. I mean, when you make something creatively and put it out there, it's like no longer you don't have control over Aimer, how people... I, I wouldn't worry the amount of bollocks I talk on this <laughs> and the amount of people who say good idea Anthony you know they're all sort of <laughs> no one's no one's called me out for being a fool yet so. okay okay well just just saying uh, if you had different ideas than I did you're not wrong don't feel that you know don't don't feel like I'm telling you you're wrong so hey you yeah you why don't you make a comment and join the conversation all right, guys, every week, you know, you leave comments on the video and then I might feature them in the next video if I think I, we have something to discuss about them. Uh, this week, I've actually got a comment that was left on the After Dark podcast by Marvin. And I said to you, Marvin, in the After Dark podcast, and you probably didn't believe me, that I was going to try and feature it in the Dark Discussions episode about costume. Well, here we are. <laughs> and so I'm going to read through this, email, and then okay. we can sort of give our thoughts on it, okay? Yeah, sure. uh, so Marvin says, one last thing, and it's not... So I, I cut out a bit of the comment that was about After Dark podcast. That's why it says that. It's not really a question, but I love how the color of Jonas's clothes perfectly matches his character arc. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, he has a yellow jacket. He even wears white while at the Nielsen's party. Then in the future, he has a green jacket for his trip back to the 2019. Basically, his last attempt to achieve his main goal he had, he had back in season one. He gets his yellow one back, then light spoilers. Okay, so obviously, anyone watching this video, spoilers. When he comes back in episode 7, he's wearing blue. In season 3, grey. And then, even in the 2040 scenes, he's wearing a dark brown slash black jacket. And as a stranger, his jacket is all black. Until he stops wearing jackets altogether after failing to close the portal, which is his sort of last failure. Which Then he completely stops trying to fix everything. And that's just his ama- that's just an amazing t- tension to detail. That's it. Rant over. Goodbye. That wasn't that, that wasn't a rant, Marvin. Yeah. I'm actually not going to let Emma give her thoughts on that. Um, I think you've done some great analysis there, because actually, you've hit on a few points. I think Emma's going to talk about in the color yellow finale of this video. Yeah. So not all of the points, but some of them. So mm-hmm. really, really great work. And you'll probably notice that there's some points that are the same. So uh, if you do, let us know in the comments. Thanks, Marvin. All right. Um, next one. So uh, Master Onion North says, there's definitely interesting speculation on Reddit regarding Claudia and the riddle of the third world. In particular, some have theorized that Claudia was passing on information to her younger self through all the cycles until she eventually had accumulated enough to solve the puzzle. Right, okay, I'm going to say something here. I used to think this uh, passing down thing as well. um, And then I did more thinking on it and I really thought about it. And I don't believe that anymore. Uh, And you probably know that because of some of my videos, uh, my theory videos. I changed my thinking on that. When I first made my explained video, that was the part of the video that I regret putting in because it wasn't explaining. It was me giving my opinion. Like all the timeline explanations were great, but the, at the end when I talked about Claudia, I put in some opinion, which I shouldn't have done. Mm. Anyway, uh, I think that, I don't think she was passing things down to herself. I think it was always the same. And in fact, there's an argument for the cycle only happening once. I've explained in the video that the idea of the cycle happening once or infinity times. Mm-hmm. So like, in terms of how long it actually took, it could have actually just been one cycle, and every single time, it's the same Claudia that splits off into the uh, to go and find the origin world. Um, so I think that 
I don't know about that part, but I know people do believe that, so we'll keep going with it. It's still unclear, though, uh, how she came by these precise information regarding Marek and Sonia, the accident, and townhouses. She never... I don't believe... Well, she did obviously know about that. She like she knows about the, the car crash because that happened to the Prime and Alt townhouse too. But she didn't know the date. I think she the way she would have figured out actually the way she would have figured out the date that they needed to go to like whenever he created the machine was because it was the same day as the accident in the Prime and Alt worlds. That's what I think. Your theory on her entering the origin world investigating is intriguing, but why wouldn't she just have told Adam this though? Why weren't the viewers shown any scenes depicting this? True. Well, the thing is, yeah, you're exactly right. We weren't shown, shown anything. But the thing is, we weren't shown anything of anything she did. You can't put across the theory that there needs to be evidence in terms of visual portrayal in the show of it. Because the fact of the matter is, if that's true, then she didn't do anything. Because we didn't see what she did, you know? So anyone's idea is as good as the other because we didn't see it. So mm. the, the, the show chose not to show us. Yeah. So by saying, you know, we didn't see it, so it mustn't be true. Well, that means she didn't do anything because... There's no portrayal of anything, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and why were Jonas and Marta the only ones that could re reset everything? How uh, did she arrive at this conclusion? Um, I don't know about that. I, I, I think I think it's obviously worked really well thematically with the show. I don't think Claudia was thinking like that, though. Perhaps it's something to do with... Um, perhaps it's something to do with the idea that they are the root of the origin. Like, they're the ones who created the unknown. So because they created the unknown... Perhaps then that they they need to uh, then they they need to they need to be the ones who stop it. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe uh, maybe Claudia just had seen the show and she just thought you know well we'll send the two main characters down. Yeah, that was probably it. That was probably it. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and last one, Stephen Crummy. And uh, Stephen Crummy says, I want to pick uh, you up and um, pick up on something. Sigmundus in the origin world. To my mind, because I mentioned last time that I think uh, I thought maybe that the Tarnhouse family, like Sikmundusy, you know, underground lair slash cult did probably exist mm. uh, in the origin world. Stephen Crummy's probably going to uh, disagree with me here. To my mind, I think uh, Sikmundus and Eric Lux, Eva Society, are both products of the two alt worlds. Uh, in the origin world, I don't think either of them societies existed. They are like uh, the alt worlds themselves, aberrations they should not and do not exist. I think the only person that believes that time travel is possible or attempts to make it uh, a reality is Tannhaus himself. The reason the societies are formed, as we see them in Adam's world in the 1800s, Tannhaus's grand grandfather and or uh, his father witnessed the, the travelers appearing to them, making them believe that time travel is possible. And of course, the stranger arriving and beginning to build the God Particle Machine. So the thing is, to my mind, the uh, Sigmundus cult in the old worlds already existed in the prime world already existed before the stranger got there that's my understanding of it and then he sort of took over it and sort of started trying to build it for Tarnhaus, who was like the last left of the cult of the sigmundus cult uh, and then they sort of gained followers again or maybe there was a couple left over but that's that's what i thought it was already in existence uh, that's how i felt about it um beginning to build the god of Idol. i don't see any evidence of reason for sigmundus uh, or any secret society to exist in the origin world yeah right there isn't any evidence just speculation i mean there's no evidence they don't uh, we we see so little of the origin world, but I don't think there is any equivalent society in the origin world. Time travel isn't itself is a result of Tannhaus's experiment that goes wrong and creates the two old worlds. There is no time travel in the origin world. It is not possible until the world is destroyed by Tannhaus's experiment. Just a thought. To be honest with you, I probably think you're right, uh, Stephen. I think I think probably there is no 
Sigmundus or Eretlox in the uh, Origin world. Um, I probably would agree with that, to be honest with you. I just thought it was a cool idea to put out there. But um, yeah, I think I would agree with you, to be honest. All right, so now we are going to get into the last segment, uh, which is all about the color yellow. Mm -hmm. Yes. Off you go. <laughs> what an intro. Yeah. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about the color yellow because obviously it it looks great <laughs> in the show and it you know it's very visually pleasing it's you know your eye is completely drawn to Jonas as the main character mm -hmm. uh you know in his yellow jacket but i think you and uh conrad touched upon it in the podcast actually in the very first episode i think where conrad pointed out that to him it was really reminiscent of like classic 80s horrors stephen you know, king yeah. yeah stephen king's it and uh i i would agree with that yeah and uh, but the most obvious use for the color yellow is the idea of radioactivity, uh, you know, and it's it's uh, obviously all thematically all ties in with the nuclear power plant plant and the sense of danger. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, throughout the show, throughout all three seasons, you're seeing Jonas in the yellow jacket, but you're also seeing like yellow hazmat suits, uh, high vis jackets, warning signs and yellow barrels. Mm -hmm. Everything is danger. So uh, I read a quite a nice article about it. Uh, by Emma Fraser for a sci-fi magazine, I think it was. And she talked about how ye yellow in this world is, there's two ends of the spectrum where you've got the childlike, uh, friendly sort of yellow colours. It's youthful. Like you his know, jacket. His jacket is the only one in the, you know, he's the only one in a yellow coat. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is quite muted and sophisticated. Yeah. And uh, whereas Jonas is basically like a big child. <laughs> and then the other end of that spectrum is, of course, the danger, the warning signs, you know, the the sense of, uh, you know, like, yeah, something impending, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So I quite like that. You know, thematically it works. Um, it's also like, because the show is quite like sort of dark in, no pun intended, in uh, so the cinematography style is quite sort of almost very shadowy and the yellow yeah, always, always pops. pops out. Yeah, yeah, it pops. And it kind of, I mean, that in itself, you could interpret it as Jonas doesn't fit into his own world. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's an interpretation, you know, in itself. Um, but it was touched upon by one of the comments uh, already, the sense that, you know, he symbolically does lose his innocence. The mm -hmm. more he learns about this messed up knot that he's part of, the darker his attire gets. Mm -hmm. And uh, I find that, you know, it's quite cool that by the time he becomes the stranger, he is in a coat as well. It looks very similar, but it's really dark, murky colors. And it's, you know, he's gone fully, he's fully transitioned. It's kind of a symbolic of a loss of innocence. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think another, you know, another way of looking at it is as well, you know, you've got this bright yellow jacket uh, wandering through beautiful autumnal woods, it's very childlike fantasy. It's very Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah, you know, and that's that's not a that's that's not an accident, <laughs> obviously. Um, but the uh, you know, the really nice way I read that uh, Emma Fraser put it is that Jonas is like a canary, you know, in going into a mine. So oh, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. he's he's actually uh, you know, he's like the test he, subject. He, yeah, he's you know, he is an innocent being at first, an innocent, youthful figure. And of course he gets darker and darker and darker in the journey that he goes on. Yeah. And when the coat returns, it's it's grubby. You know, yeah, yeah. it's already tainted. 
you know, whenever he goes back to mm-hmm. speak to his father. But it also actually, it, it, to, to add to your point, it also, whenever in episode six of season two, yeah. when he has to go back in time to the day before his dad killed himself yeah. and he puts the yellow jacket back on. Yeah. Because that character went through such a change and yeah. he's, he's really becoming gritty and he's becoming uh, less innocent, so to speak. Yeah. When he first puts that yellow jacket on, it actually is quite jarring. Yeah. His head doesn't match the jacket anymore. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And it's it's uh, you can tell that he's he's been on a journey. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if anybody is familiar with the hero's journey of, uh, you know, by Joseph Campbell, mm-hmm. it's, you know, this, um, I suppose, the, the formula, if you will, for storytelling. Uh, he has returned to his similar familiar circumstances having changed yeah and that's very much the statement that is being made there yeah um so it looks it looks fantastic the color yellow really in that sense it's a uh, two sides to the same coin it represents sort of youthful innocence on one hand but on the other it's it's danger it's warning signs mm-hmm. it's radioactive barrels <laughs> radioactive yeah exactly but I mean, this. this I don't, oh, I, sorry, just before you continue, I, I don't want to lose it, lose it because it's such a long time ago. When you're talking about the idea that he's Little Red Riding Hood with the yellow, but the yellow, yeah, but the yeah. yellow coat, like yeah. going through the forest, it made me realize that um, just like in Little Red Riding Hood, the the person who he, he believes it's like sort of the opposite of Little Red Riding Hood. The person he believes is a uh, is 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 his grandma is the <laughs> is the beast. But in Dark, the person he believes is the beast is his father is his relative relative is himself yeah. you know so it's his aunt <laughs> yeah is his aunt is his is his a son eventually yeah. uh so yeah. it's kind of like you know that, a sense of geez. a sinister truth put that on the pole <laughs> red, little red riding hood <laughs> well i also did like uh, the uh, conrad's comparison to dorothy as well with claudia yeah the dog and being whisked away into the yeah heart. exactly yeah. i think i think dark does play with these things it does kind of sub- subvert these um otherwise innocent scenarios that we take for granted and goes ha nope it's actually all messed up and this shouldn't exist yeah exactly. Uh, you know so i think that's a really cool thing um but you know Jonas isn't the only sort of significant character in yellow mm-hmm. um and i think it would be a sin to have a, a costume episode of dark discussions without at least going into a different time period once so we have to talk about agnes she looks amazing <laughs> yeah so yeah. agnes when we first meet her yeah is wearing red. Yes, and you, you, femme fatale. Yes, I was going to say Conrad rightly pointed that out in mm-hmm. in uh, the podcast that basically uh, he was like, ah, yes, if um, everything I've ever learned from popular culture is anything to go by, this is a racy uh, sort of warning <laughs> sign. This is a loose woman, yeah. and it turns out that was true. <laughs> so you know, it's it's uh, been true both times it's happened in the show yeah. with Hannah too. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, the term. Like a red rag to a bull comes to mind. There we go. You know, or so, bull, minotaur, it's all coming together. There you go. <laughs> we're, get, we're getting it all together in the end. Perfect. Um, but yeah, so I think it's uh, obviously whenever we first see Agnes, uh, she's in, she's all racy in red. And obviously the 50s are, it's a, an era which had the potential to be very sophisticated in what you were. Um, I will point out as well, it's worth noting that the 1950s was the era of what's called the new look, uh, which is a uh, look invented by Christian Dior. Mm-hmm. The idea was, it's kind of after the war, we no longer had to ration fabric. So Christian Dior went mad and went, let's put all the fabric in the skirts. And it made them absolutely huge. You know, so if you... Parachute pants. You, yeah, basically. <laughs> so if you, if you are, you know, looking at sort of 1950s uh, outfits and formal wear, 
a lot of it is characterized by huge big flouncy skirts um yeah. you know and dresses it's very much a, a big statement whereas agnes is a lot more stripped back than that and i think it's interesting that she's really fashionable but she's gone for figure hugging mm-hmm. you know she's you know that's another sort of element to her almost being uh, a bit racy i'd say yeah, you know? yeah, but it also may be, yeah exactly yeah but it also points to her being influenced from other timelines even if her like because because she has traveled around a bit actually but at that point she might not have traveled around a bit but definitely she has um been exposed to people who have traveled around so what's really interesting as well is that we know that you know i mentioned that agnes is very sort of fashionable in a way well she's very glamorous i should say rather mm-hmm. than fashionable um and she obviously is there on a mission she uh has you know really she meets doris and doris is very taken by her there's no one else in Winden like agnes you know there's nobody dresses like agnes there's nobody you know wearing the colors as bold as she wears and you know obviously doris is very taken by this but even uh as well whenever we whenever doris last sees agnes she's wearing that really beautiful uh beautifully tailored statement yellow dress with the black gloves and the black hat yeah she's practically dressed as a warning sign yeah. Uh, you know she's dressed as a toxic egon, egon didn't heat it no exactly she's dressed as a barrel of toxic waste yeah yeah beautifully yeah. um but she basically uh you know that's the last thing that doris sees her wear i'm pretty sure um and hmm. you know what's interesting is that doris uh gets left a yellow dress as a gift you know you know she has we see the scene where uh, is it the same yellow dress though? No, no, it, no. it's it's one with a little tie on it, and she oh, says, that's right. she yes. says, oh, I feel like I'm dressing like the Queen of England, or you know, I'm, mm. or like I'm going to have tea with the Queen of England, whatever right, she yeah. says, and you know, it's kind of almost a seductive pulling of Doris into this world. Yeah, you know, that's great. You know, because she's sort of getting her to do what she needs to do for sort of wider purposes, for reasons. Yes, for reasons. <laughs> for reasons. <laughs> but uh, but interestingly, I should mention. Um, you know, I talked about the new look of Christian Dior in mm-hmm. the 50s. That dress is the new look. It's It's oh, got a big, huge skirt. So it's almost like, you know, here's... Would you call, is, it, is that word frumpy? <laughs> I wouldn't call what's it frumpy. The word, is that, what's the word frumpy mean? I've heard that word Frump- before. I thought it meant like too much fabric in the dress or something. No, I think frumpy just means, to me, it means like granny-like, old frumpy. So yeah. Not fashionable. So fashion from the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm right. I don't think you could call because all because our grannies when we're at our age had fashion from the fifties. Yeah, but that's now in fashion. It's it's more like dressing as a granny when you're eighty. <laughs> yeah, but they dress in the old stuff. Hey, come on. I, I I wouldn't describe Doris as frumpy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but, uh, but my point was that is a more up to date fashion, if you will. Uh-huh. You know, so it's almost like she's a. Uh, you know she's she's this lady who is not from Wyndon, who's appeared out of nowhere and has brought this uh beautiful like up-to-date fashion-wise yellow dress has got her to try it on and said and it's yours you know if you want it and then it's disappeared from her life yeah and you agnes know? has given her a little taste of the future and now she can't go back <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so that's uh, i think a very that in itself is a statement she's leaving the traces of yellow behind her you know and uh and you know doris is being quite literally seduced by it you know, quite literally kind of, yeah she's she's been drawn to the danger the dangerous yeah. woman yeah exactly so. right Nima, thank you very much for joining me this week uh, thanks for having me all right guys remember on the poll on my twitter at hey anthony james you can go and vote what next episode is going to be about we've got parallels to ross <laughs> ross parallels to ross from friends 
<laughs> no, no. Parallels to Lost. Okay, so Parallels to Lost. <laughs> I think you should do one Parallels to Ross. <laughs> no way. Who's the Ross? Who's the Ross of this show? I don't know. Uh, anyway, so uh, we're going to do uh, Parallels to Lost. Um, that's Donnie Starts, his, his one. I think uh, there was three votes whenever I put uh, where I was editing this video and uh, well when we were recording this video sorry uh, and Parallels Lost was winning by one vote oh, <laughs> so no idea where it's going to end up but uh, mm. Parallels Lost Donnie Starts put that up there Parallels to Westworld was Vic Disco put that up there that's an interesting um, one there are, especially season one of Westworld there's some really obvious parallels to me yeah. um, chat with my mom uh, Ema can can, uh, can can vouch for me my mom is hilarious. She is great. <laughs> she is um, absolutely great. Now she wouldn't be putting her face on the screen like emo. Like my mom is. Uh, I think she. she a bit would, more camera shy. A bit more camera shy. So she. It'll definitely just be like a phone call. Yeah, You'll she, see my face during it probably. She, she's but. a hoot. She's a hoot. She's yeah. a hoot. So yeah. I look forward to hopefully getting my mom on an episode eventually. And uh, last one, I put this in there as a, as a trial, guys. I put in 1899 news and theories. Now I'm in no way near finished talking about dark let me get that straight i want to talk about darks forever right <laughs> but i just wanted to put the feelers out there of who out of listeners here would like a little update on 1899 news slash some of my theories on that show as well if you don't want that on dark discussions just let me know and if enough people tell me they don't want it that's fine i'll keep them for separate videos but i thought because this is you know baron bodor you want to freeze we could maybe amalgamate it but it's up to you guys whether you want to see that or not if you don't want to see that then that's fair enough Okay, right guys, so we have been Anthony and Ema, and uh, we are going to be back hopefully tomorrow, if all being well. Um, you've probably seen even from this video, a couple of the cuts we've had to do and stuff. It's hard to film when you have babies in the house, yeah. uh, but we do, you know, we enjoy doing it, so we're going to try and do it as much as possible. Yeah. So his Dark Material, see episode one of season two, we'll hopefully be back for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. The setup might be a little different. If we can't get this, we've got some cool ideas for our setup for that video in terms of like a set and stuff. So look out for that. But if you don't, if, if it's the same as it is right now, then it means I couldn't get it working. So be it. <laughs> yeah. We had to compromise because we have two babies under three. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's the it's the dual microphones that I'm that I'm having issues with, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Anyway, thanks very much for watching guys. Go over to the Hey Anthony at Hey Anthony and James poll. Leave a question below if you want to join the conversation. And of course, subscribe to the channel. Thank you very much. See you next week. Bye.